0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 27th day of February, 2015. And today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are on page 55, and we will be starting our reading with the last paragraph on this page in this book, and we'll be reading two paragraphs. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Rabia, 12 Traditions, Lauren S., and then our text readers are Kathleen W., Devorah S., Charles H., Sharon H., And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 27th day of February, is 7358, 7358. OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Rabia to please read the 12 steps for us.
1: Good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Rabia M. I am a compulsive overeater from New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable
0: And I will now ask Lauren S. to read the 12 Traditions, please.
2: Hi, Lauren S. as in Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, if he may express himself in our group conscience, directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions have reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: Thank you, Lauren. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the Big Book. We are on page 55 in the chapter We Agnostics. And we will be starting our reading with the last paragraph on page 55 in this book. And we will be reading two paragraphs. With the first reader. And I will ask Kathleen W. to please start reading for us.
3: Good morning. This is Kathleen W., recovered from Phoenix, Arizona. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. His calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war delusion meant ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. And um, tomorrow, I just happen to be going on a retreat, an away retreat at the church that I grew up in as a little girl. So it's going to be, I know God wants me to be there, and um, it's going to be bittersweet. And um, I grew up with an alcoholic father and a severely mentally ill brother who my brother just, he we did have um, suicide in our family. He committed suicide three years ago. And so my way of coping with it as a child was I learned to eat. And um, I remember my mom used to hide ding-dongs and Twinkies um, as special treats, and I would always f- find them. And I remember hiding in the orange tree eating, and that's where my eating disorder started. And I remember the little girl, this church that I'm going to tomorrow for the retreat, that's the only place that I felt peace in my heart. And so um, today, I'm 50 now, and um, I, I've always, every time I go... To church, I always feel that peace in my heart. So I've gone, I, I still go to my um, childhood uh, You know, practice of what, you know, I still go to the church that I, a different church, but I still do that because it's always giving me peace in my heart and that's where I find God. And um, so I'm looking forward to the r- retreat tomorrow and um, I know God wants me to be there and I don't know, um... You know, like I said, it's going to be bittersweet and I'm just really looking forward to it. And um, and with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kathleen W. And who would like to comment on these two paragraphs? Sally. Sally, okay. Anybody else? All right, Sally, go ahead. Okay, I don't know where I'm hearing a lot of.
4: Yeah, it's okay. It's, okay, it's done. Not okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, a vision for you. Good morning, Monica it's Sally A. in South Jersey. I, I, really reluctant to jump in here as opposed to waiting till later. But I, there's so much here. I just, um, I figure, okay, fine. There's an open window. I'll take it. Um. So, in this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist, and what he finds out is that he was blocked. That's what we see on the top of the uh, of the next page. That's what he's telling us in the process of sharing about his calamities, that he was actually blocked. he wasn't an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of us some of it should be told now. Um, his change of heart, and this is the sentence I really am thrilled to share about, his change of heart was dramatic, convincing. And moving, and I think that for me, this I, I identify so much with this. First of all, I, I've learned through these these last few years of being abstinent um, and and subsequently recovered that you you have to really listen in order to learn, and then. After you start learning and you learn a lot from this book and from the other people that we're surrounded by, you begin to change. And as you change, you become transformed. And as a result of becoming transformed, we become recovered. And the interesting thing is that this this change that happened in my life and continues to be happening comes from this willingness to listen. And, you know, for the first nine months that I was listening to A Vision for You, I was silent. I did not say a word on the line. And prior to that, you know, there was other phone meetings that I was silent on because my sponsors were telling me, shh, listen. Because when you're trying to form a thought to share, you're not listening and you have to change In order to become recovered you have to become transformed you know on page 143 it tells us it requires change it requires a transformation in order to become recovered and how does that happen it happens because we listen we stop forming thoughts and we listen so that we can learn and we learn so that we can change and then we change so we can become transformed and we become transformed So that we can become recovered and certainly my transformation which has been an ongoing thing has been dramatic even in my own sight about myself. I marvel. I spilled my entire dinner yesterday um, all over the counter and the stove and I had to start all over again and I just was shocked that I was so calm about the whole thing like oh threat okay. And I started again, and that's a dramatic change for me because I've been a very impulsive and compulsive person throughout my whole life. Convincing, I think it's very convincing to those who see the changes in me. And moving for sure, you know, many people say, well, Sally, you're very passionate. I'm very moved myself by what's happening inside of me. And that brings us to this paragraph on the top of 56 calamities. This guy fits. Um, we, we learned that, first of all, he's the guy who is hiding in the barn and said, don't bother, don't waste your time on me, at the end of the doctor's opinion. He's also the Southern Gentleman in the story on page 208, the whole chapter on the Southern Gentleman. His name is Fitz M., and it's a very moving story. And when he talks about his calamities, it, we, you know again, all roads lead to Bill. I'll just end with this and say... Bill talks about his worldly clamors on page 12. This guy talks about his calamities. We're going to see a lot of, it's so similar to how Bill speaks, but it's not the same person. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Sally. And who else would like to comment on these two paragraphs?
5: This is Janice.
0: Janice, go ahead, Janice.
5: Well, good morning to you, Monica, and everyone. My name is Janice, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater. Yes, his change of heart. What does that mean? Well, to me, it means um, that I've got to change my thinking. He changed his thinking. It's a story about this um, minister's son. But I can identify with him tremendously that my thinking was so twisted that i couldn't see anything else especially with all the barriers that i had in my life so if i you know i had i had a spirituality but uh, but then i was blocked by these things that i that didn't work in my life that I thought you know like the self pity that all- all these things that uh my troubles i was, it was frustrations um you know mental illness in my family fatal illnesses um these were all threatening my mental health um they really were i, I didn't know I didn't get any results by the way I thought. I was rebellious. I really was rebellious um, because, you know, I had a particular viewpoint. And so if that didn't work for me, I had to do some changing, you know. These are all the characteristics. I see I see my disease here. Oh, boy, the bitterness, the defiance, the rebellion, you know. That's, that's pur- pure, pure disease for me. And um, that wasn't working in my life to get any results that I wanted. So uh, the change of heart, just a little bit, this isn't working for me. I've got to try something different. And that little bit opened up my mind somewhat because I've been in and out of OA for years. And, uh, you know, keep hitting that barrier, keep hitting my head on the wall. This is not working. This is not working. Well, if it's not working, then something has to change. And uh, it's a great story as a man think it. So is he, you know, and it showed in my actions. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janice. And would anyone else like to comment on these two paragraphs?
6: Like
0: Raketfit. Raquel. Leia. Okay, I got Raketfit, Ka- Vasa, and Raquel. So, Raketfit, Ka- go ahead. Thank you, Monica. I'm Raketfit. To become
7: possible for either in California, and I like this paragraph a lot, where he says uh, that this man thought he was an atheist. I can relate to that completely because I certainly thought I was an atheist. I didn't have God in my life. There was no God in my home growing up, and there was no God, no spirituality in me, or very, very little when I came to program. And even though I couldn't believe right away that they're in God, I could not believe that. I I said I did because act as if, but I I thought not really. What made me believe is to see the miracles in the room, to see other people have a God in their life, hear their stories, see their changes. They had been reorganized. They had been changed. They had had a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience and when I heard this over and over again from so many people it led me to believe that maybe I could believe maybe I could believe in a God if that's what helped these people then that's what I wanted I wanted what they had and if that's what I had to do believe in a God believe in a higher power that then, then I wanted to do that and wanting to do it and believing that I can believe in the higher power It's not the same as believing. It took time. It took a lot of time. I had to get worse and worse and worse in this disease. While I was in the program for 15 years, I had to relapse. And each relapse was more painful than the the previous one. And when I finally came to the point where I could not do anything, anything, the only thing that I could do is either keep going the way I was going and die a miserable, miserable death, or truly accept in my heart and truly believe that there is a God for me out there. I do have a God inside of me, and that God is what is who's going to help me truly believe and who's going to help me be able to <clears throat> recover from my food addiction and it's been a miracle. I saw, but I started with seeing the the other miracles, everyone else's miracles, and hearing what was in their heart. And I heard God in their heart, and that that was really
0: what kept me going. So thank you for letting me share it. Yes. Thank
6: you, Rakafit.
0: Vasa, you're up, and then it'll be Raquel.
6: Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I'm Vasa O, recover compulsive Vida from Florida. Minister's sons, and I am minister's daughter. I was brought up in a communist country, as I've shared before. And I remember my most impressive years were like from one to nine years old. I was born in a very small village, and my father was a minister. Like, there were, like, five villages around, and he served all those villages. And it was, that was the happiest time of my life, you know. But, um, again, this is hard for me to really share. I just, it's like a, I have a shame inside of me. My father drank, you know. And, and reading and hearing other stories, a lot of priests drank, you know, because of socially, or, you know, I mean, People celebrate with food or with alcohol. So I, I, my father, without even knowing what alcoholism was, you know, it started affecting him and it started affecting the family and the house, you know, because of his drinking and his performance. You know, there were times he would get drunk the night before. He couldn't get up and go and perform what he needed to do next day. But I don't want to put too much time into that because it's not about him, it's about me. But it just shows how the effect that the family is like. And, uh, and again, going to church in those years was fun, but also the services were like two or three hours. There was no place to seat, to sit. And we did not, we couldn't eat because we were supposed to receive from communion. And, you know, you're a young kid, you know, like three or four years old, you're starving, and here you are going to church and you get bored and you get tired. And I remember my mother saying, quiet, you know, and I remember being afraid. Well, don't do that because God is going to get mad at you. So, you know, those are all the childhood things that I read, that I heard. And I needed to put all that aside when I came uh, in the big books study, you know, and I'm just—it's just amazing how my life has changed since I came to uh, since I came to rec- to Overeaters Anonymous, and I put the foot in God's hands and started working the twelve steps. i mean i have gotten back to school, you know. I had such a low self-esteem. I've gone back to school. I got a job, and I became more of a productive human being i'm not saying i wasn't productive then but even more i this program has transformed me to a person i never thought i could be so and i didn't even speak english when i came to the program my language was so bad my reading my writing so i got my education in the program too thank you for letting me share my path
0: thank you vasa and raquel you're up Raquel, star one to unmute. Raquel, are you there? I think so. I think you're trying. <laughs> Hello. Raquel? Alright, let's move on. And would anybody Hi. else like to com is that Raquel? Leah. No. Ruby, Renata. Leia. Renata okay all right let's move on to sue b Leia ricotta and then we'll try and see for if, Ra- if raquel shows up sue b you're up
8: good morning this is sue b
9: from maryland thank you for everybody being on the line as usual i love to start my day this way i had uh two thoughts that came to me while we were reading this uh, the first was the change of heart and the change that occurred in me was that um as I yesterday we were talking about um, not worshiping God but worshiping things and um, worshiping money and and worshiping clothes and worshiping other people and um, worshiping a small body and um, it struck me that the change of heart was as I learned to stop worshiping things, people, places, and things, and opened up my heart to a higher power, um, that that I could change. And I could see and hear uh, this concept of a higher power, which I had always blocked because I was too busy worshiping outside things instead of this beautiful higher power that lives within me. And my life, because of that, absolutely was a mess um, you know i uh i did my life was dogged by trouble and frustration, and uh I became suicidal and the more trouble that um dogged me uh the more serious my eating became and um and I definitely was on the verge of self destruction. And that was by all kinds of medical things like high blood pressure and asthma and all the things that um, we get as a result of this disease that that people don't talk about as much. Um, You know, when somebody dies of this disease, they always say it's a heart attack or uh, diabetes or something. But the fact is that this disease kills. So this change of heart has brought me. Uh, to a whole change of thinking. And, And I realized that I not only blocked my ability to have a higher power live within me, but I blocked my higher power's opportunity to help other people because I was in there fixing them instead of giving him the chance to do his will with them. So I am just so so grateful uh for this program for being able to to uh listen to this every day and get myself centered i have a note here from my sponsor when i went through this chapter and it says the more you practice the more you will differentiate between god's will and your own will we all want that spiritual awakening this is the revolution
0: Thanks so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sue B. And Raquel, are you there? Okay. Leah, let's go ahead with you, Leah, and then it will be Renata. I'm here. There you are, Raquel. Okay, go ahead.
8: uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had a problem. I'm looking so um, I wondered, that this is such a, thank you, thank you, Monica, and thank you for all my dear friends on the line. This paragraph brings me to um, to um, uh, Dr. Thibaut, who worked so closely with Bill W. when he was depressed, when he went through his troubles for years, uh, wrote this incredible paper that is important for us called The Act of Surrender in the Therapeutic Process. And he said to Bill, you, AAs, can only do the job. I can only open the patient wide to, to the surrender. And he said about the two characteristics that we have that are right here, this tremendous defiance and grandiosity that, that we have, which makes it impossible for us to accept the help even when we ask for it. That's what he says. He says these are the two characteristics uh, that, um, that the, the people who are addicted have, the, the, um, uh, the rebellious individuality and the grandiosity. And that explains why we are so, so uh, stubborn in an unreasonable way about asking for help. And even worse, why we, when we even ask for it and it's offered, we usually reject it until it becomes bad enough. And that bad enough is like the gift of desperation. I want to express my deepest gratitude for God who brought me to, to that point six years and, and, and two months and some days ago. And for this group that were holding hands around the globe, helping each other not run away from the truth. The truth really liberates, but it is so hard to, to want and to embrace it when it looks you straight in the face. Thank you for helping me so much, my path.
0: Thank you, Raquel. And now, Leia, you're up. Thank you so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. It's Leia
10: recovered compulsive overeater post-war disillusionment ever more serious alcoholism impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction um
6: i really like
10: that statement um because i identify in you know um you know it's a beautiful thing you know through enough suffering through enough pain through enough degradation uh it breaks us down You know, God came through my wound. I didn't come here uh, on a high note, let's say. But the beauty is, uh, because the previous paragraph talks about the fact that he had a transformation. You know, he had a change of heart. It was dramatic. The beauty is that every breakdown is an opportunity for a breakthrough. You know, because when I was in disease, I was compelled to think, feel, and act in certain ways according to the conditioning of my mind. Uh, You know, Everybody has things happen to them, um, and certainly I had my list of things that occurred in my life, some traumatic, some less so. Uh, those incidences and just life in general, an inability to cope, you know, discolored my personality and gave it emotional twist that led me into this disease uh, with such voraciousness. Uh, You know, and in the disease, I lived in the dark. There was not enough light in me to dispel the darkness on my own. I wasn't woken up. (laughs) And, you know, when I was merely reacting to life, I suffered the consequences of my unconsciousness because I lived under the burden of fear. I lived in conflict. I lived with pain and problems and resentments and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, however, You know, that pain is transmuted. You know, Bill W. writes this quote, and I've always loved this quote, AA is no success story in the ordinary sense of the word. It is a story of suffering transmuted under grace into spiritual progress. I love that. I love that. Because no matter how bad you feel at this moment, (laughs) let it be the launching pad for a new life. You know, when you're being chased by a gun. When you're being chased by a gun, it's not the love of running that drives you. It's pain. It's pain. Pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. So this program of recovery allows for a process uh, due to willingness and action that uh, brings about freedom, freedom that embraced my broken places and transformed me and continues to transform me and continues to allow me uh to seek uh a higher power that brings me stability, a sense of purpose and meaning, happiness and the love uh of others and freedom. 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 And with
0: that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Yeehaw for sure. And Renata, you're up. <coughs> Hi,
11: Monica. Good morning. Thank you for
0: your service.
11: Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered for Radio in New York. Um, his change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. And, uh, you know, like it says uh, in a few lines above, you know, he thought he was an atheist. I came to this program. I was not an atheist. So, you know, I also have had a change of heart, but not about God but about, you know, how I see the world and how I see myself in it. When I came to the rooms of Over Anonymous, I was filled with anger, with fear. I was always ready to, to react to people and, you know, not in a kind and generous and loving way. Um, you know, I've always thought that, the world and everyone in it were out there to, to get me, you know, everyone wanted to take advantage of me, make fun of me. They thought they were better than me. It was all about me and uh, how I related to, to the world. And, you know, after going through the step process, things changed, you know, I was able to, to see my part in everything and see how, I had unrealistic expectations and how, you know, I had my part in everything. And, um, you know, it says here the change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. And that's what happens when we become recovered. It is dramatic. It is convincing. And it's moving. We need to change. I had to change. And I couldn't bring that change over myself. I had to work through the steps so God could work in my life and change me. My part was to to make the effort to, you know, put the food down, to try and behave in the way that I thought my higher power would have me and not myself will. And, uh, you know, uh, the last thing I want to share is, you know, this program teaches us that, you know, love and tolerance of others is our code. I can never have, I never had love and tolerance for others because I never had love and tolerance for myself. You know, so it was impossible for me to give away something that I never had. So that's all I want to share that I passed.
0: Thank you, Renata. And let's move on with our next reader here. And Devora, would you read for us, please, the next three paragraphs? Devora, star one to unmute. Yeah. Hi.
12: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Devora. i a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Thank you, Monica. One night when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend, our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, If there is a god, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? While pondering the question while pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? This man account, recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and filled him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from the bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship. With his creator, Whoa, very, very powerful, and um, you know, this man, as as spoken before, his name was Fitz M, and he was a minister's st- son, so he grew up in a home, you know, he was he was preached to, he was told he was he was brought up in a home full of God. You know, his father was the one who taught other people about God. And yet, over the years, he developed this disease. He blocked it out. He just blocked it out. And he drank and he drank. He drank to the point that,
6: you know, his wife
12: couldn't find him for days. He was, he was laying in a barn, drunk, in a stupor. They couldn't find him. And, you know, we could read more about him in the Southern Friend, in the, in the, in, in our Southern Friend in the back, in, in the stories. But he was so full of the disease that it blocked, it blocked out his God. And here he was in the hospital, confined, and he's being taught about, you know, a spiritual change, a spiritual, a psychic change, a, to lean on God. And you know, it's all to me. I find this to be all about humility. He thought he knew the answers. He thought that he was going to be able to get better on his own all the years. But he reached a bottom. He reached a point in his life that nothing was working for him, and he was he was ready to die. He was ready to give it up, throw up threw up his hands, and say that is it. Just take me. He had enough. And. Suddenly he remembered and he said, "Who am I? Who am I? I can't that I that who are you to say that there is no God?" So he he humbled himself right then and there, and he just you know got out of bed, got on his knees, and he just felt the presence of God, and that was the beginning of his of his journey. Um, All we needed to do, as we talked about earlier, you know, a willingness. Are you willing to believe in a power greater than ourselves? And here he was. He was willing um, because all else had failed him. And, you know, I too, I was also, you know, brought up in a home that um, was was, was very spiritual. God was talked about a lot, you know. Everything was God's will. And, but I blocked it out too with all my years of eating and denial and whatever. And I blocked it out. And I, you know, I too had to get very desperate. And I had to come into meetings and listen and keep quiet and learn and think, wow, if these people got it, if these people can do it, then I too can have that experience. And I had to sit quietly and listen. For a long time before I, too, um, you know, and I remember in my early days of, you know, abstinence, um, wanting to eat and running to the pantry and opening up the pantry when something didn't go my way, thinking, ah, I'm going to find the answer here. But then that, thank you, I'll just wrap it up. And then just pausing and saying, okay, God, what do you want from me? Please help me. Get me out of this. So, you know, all of us can have this experience, and
0: that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Devara. And who would like to comment on these paragraphs? Hi, uh, this is Alice M. Leanne. This is wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> all right, I heard Alice. I heard Alice M. I heard somebody before Larry. Leanne. Leanne. Leanne, okay. Leanne, Verodica. Larry, Alice
13: Veronica.
0: Veronica. Okay, let's start with that. Leanne, Larry, Alice, and Veronica. Leanne, you're up. And then Larry. Hi, it's Leanne
14: recovering from anorexia and compulsive overeating. Um, This is just reminding me of how grateful I am that we have this book. And I was thinking about the A, B, and C um, back on page, I think it's uh, sixty where it talks about that we have to be convinced um, that we're alcoholic and we cannot manage our own lives and that no human power could relieve our alcoholism and that God could and would if he were thought. And, um, you know, living in the A and the B, knowing that I couldn't manage my life and that no human power could go out, <clears throat> um... But the last part, that God could and would if he were sought, and talking about that desperation, the answer is right here. And these guys didn't have the privilege of having all this written down, you know. They just had to be desperate enough and to believe what had happened to other people to get them to seek God. And today, you know, keeping that line in my mind, that God could and would if he were sought, I noticed such a big difference in- Sorry about that. Um, I notice, notice such a big difference in my day when I take the time to truly seek him for everything that I'm doing, you know. And then there's days where I don't get as close to him during the day, like I do my quiet time in the morning. But then like during the day, I kind of leak out, you know, like I kind of have leaks in my spirit. I leak out and I need to recharge more than once a day. And seeking God really makes a tremendous difference in so many things that I do. And I love reading the story. It's so profound, you know, how that first encounter with God, that first just little nudge toward him and how much he comes through, how much he poured himself out just for that one little inkling of willingness. And I find that myself today, like he does so much above and beyond what I ask for, if I'm just a little bit willing. And um, the story is just tremendous, and I love it. And I'm grateful that we have that last line, God could and would if he were sought. I love that. Um, We're grateful that we have the privilege of all these words written down that we can go back and refresh our minds if that's the answer. I'm
0: going to pass. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Leanne. Larry, you're up, and then it'll be Alice
15: Morning, Monica, thank you so much for your service Larry Kay, Recover compulsible reader um, you know it's it's interesting what i what I read in this paragraph is um you know some level of defiance <laughs> after all i I got here defiant uh there's no question about it and um, you know we 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 read that um, in this paragraph um, and you know if What's interesting is, you know, here, here he is face-to-face with somebody, you know, in whom the problem had been solved. You know, this person had a spiritual awakening. You know, if, if in the chapter there is a solution, there is a solution. If it, it you know, if it suggested to us that, you know, near, you know, a couple of people have recovered, a couple of people, a few people have solved the drink problem. They've discovered, uh, you know, a similar solution. You know, um, that, that wouldn't work. See, what I saw in other people, while I continued to experience defiance and continue to experience the mayhem and the just insurmountable problems in my life, I would look across the room, across, and I would look into someone's eyes, and I saw a difference, and it wasn't just a thin body. Because the thinnest person in the room, as we all know, is not necessarily the healthiest, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. After all, we know that. But, you know, when we see in a person, what we can see in that person in their eyes, and we uh, get to know that person, and we see that not only do they declare emphatically that they've had a change, that a change has happened in their lives, perhaps after decades of, of horror, Then, you know, at that point, and they declare that they've had a spiritual awakening at that point, just like this man, you know, we can say, we can contemplate, perhaps there is some hope here, perhaps there is a higher power, you know, and this common solution, see, this worked for me, this common solution, it's not just that I'm a thin man today, that's the least of it, that's a blessing, oh my goodness, it's a blessing. Absolutely. But that's the least of it. What am I doing for the next 23 hours today? That's what I'd love to share with you. Am I leading a perfect life? Of course not. I, I'll never have an experience outside of human experience. But what I am, what I, what I think you would see is a changed man. You would see a man who has the ability, by the grace of God, to treat people better, to, you know, to where love and tolerance is my code. I'm not perfect, but I am leading a, a different life, and it's not because of what I did for myself and effectuating my own change. This practical program of action enabled me to align myself with a higher power of my own understanding who changed me. God did the heavy lifting, and I'm a changed man, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry K. Alice M., you're up, and then it'll be Veronica.
16: Good morning. My name is Alice. I'm a compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And this, um, this reading started out on page 35. In this book, you will find the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. Um, well, from my lips, you'll hear my sharing coming from a woman who is an atheist and is recovered in this program. Um, there's so much to comment on. And and the unfortunate thing right now is that I am probably the only atheist or agnostic left on this line right now because this, this chapter um, is very, and this is this, my honesty, is very condescending and could be very disparaging. Um, and I want to just read something from something Bill wrote in The Grapevine in 1965. This Conference Approved Literature. This was some 26 years, almost 30 years into his sobriety, 26 years after the big book was written. Um, where we see there is a major shift in um, this, this push of getting people to come to God. You know, it is necessary for recovery. Here's what Bill wrote. Newcomers are approaching AA at the rate of tens of thousands yearly. They represent almost every belief and attitude imaginable. We have atheists and agnostics. We have people of nearly every race, culture, and religion. In AA, we are supposed to be bound together in the kinship of a common suffering. Consequently, the full individual liberty to practice any creed or principle or therapy, whatever, should be a first consideration for us all. Let us not, therefore, pressure anyone with our individual or even our collective views. Let us instead accord each other the respect and love that is due to every human being as he tries to make this his way toward the light, let us always try to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Let us remember that each alcoholic among us is a member of AA, so long as he or she declares. So I'm really grateful that I have that kind of resource to go to um, to see that you know I have to remember this was a period piece. This is a you know I take this in its historical context, and I I so. Um, I, so my hope is that people who um don't believe in God but who believe in powers outside of themselves um that give them strength that they they hear that that latter message. Um that this is a program for everyone and when I when I um listen to you know the the last paragraph I have an identification with that you know it's like the barriers he had built through the years were swept away. For me just recently it was the barriers to my atheism I thought I had to build throughout my years, and OA and AA were swept away. And then he stood in the presence of infinite power and love. I stood in the presence of the powerful of the power of self-love, self-acceptance, and honesty. Um, and that man and me had both stepped from that bridge to shore. It says for the first time he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. For me, as an atheist, for the first time I allowed myself to embrace the truth that belief in God was not necessary for recovery. It was optional. And I tell you, that saved my life. You know, it was, I could embrace um, my faith, which is my belief in humanity and human goodness and an in innate human Time. capacity for positive change. Um, so I just want to make sure that we know that, you know, this this, this fellowship is diverse, all-inclusive, and, and life-saving. And um, I intend to go out and, and help others with that. Thanks, I pass.
0: Thank you, Alice. And Veronica, you're up. Star 1 to unmute, Veronica. Are you there, Veronica? can you hear me?
13: I can. Okay, thank you. Um, Thank you for your service. And I'm Veronica B., And um, and I appreciate that this this reading of this story, because um, initially uh, this man sounded like he was angry with God to do with his uh, remarks, his bitter remarks that he made, you know, about if there was a God, why, you know, why couldn't he do this or whatever. But um, it just goes to show that. Even though he was angry with God, God had not just given up on him, as it were. Um, But all it took was a willingness on his part, and God came and um, he had an encounter with God. But this man, this alcoholic, was like an angel sent to him, I believe, you know, as though he was sent by God to plant a seed into this man, a seed of hope and sharing his experience. His spiritual experience let him know there was hope for him, and he responded. and He the seed was planted, and it took root in his heart. and After afterwards, he had uh, he prayed and all he thought about it, and said he was, apparently he came to the conclusion the willingness to try his for himself so he could have an encounter with God because he had received some hope, and he had. Uh, he did have a personal encounter with God, um, which is good, and it lets me know as well. I mean, I can relate to that. Not that I was an atheist initially, but I wasn't close to God. I wasn't walking with God. I wasn't trusting in God. And I had an encounter with God as I was at a facility, as it were, and the seed was planted in me when I picked up a gospel tract, and I read it, and then the Lord began to minister to me and Speak to me as a were, and I try. So I'm gonna give God a try. I had the willingness to give God a try. so I tried everything else. Then, it was, then uh, why not try God? So I got. I prayed and asked God to come into my heart, my life, and save and deliver me. And He did. So it just goes to show that even though people might be angry with God, you know, He He could take it. He could take our anger or whatever you feel. It's just a matter of, your know, surrender. And he will, you know, come in and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. I our pass.
0: Thank you, Veronica. And this is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And here we are in the chapter, We Agnostic. So hopefully here, no matter where you are, in your beliefs or non-beliefs or issues with God, or or we're using the word God here, but we mean some type of a power that's greater than ourselves. That will help us here. Um, give you hope. You know, there's hope. There's a lot of recovered people on here who have found their own definition of this. And it is whatever you choose it to be. That's what Ebby said to Bill. Thank you so much. That, you know, he did. And all it takes is your willingness. Your willingness. You know, they're saying here with this young man here, we're seeing, you know, he his ways weren't working. What he'd been doing, he wasn't getting the results he wanted. Well, you know, I wasn't getting the results I wanted with the way I was doing things. And, oh, man, if you had my life and my troubles, yeah, you'd be eaten, too. Uh, I had my story, too. And I think most of us on the line, we do have. And there's a reason why we're all here. Um, But it is what it is. And it takes my willingness. It takes your willingness. Willingness and grace equals a mystery. And lean gently into this mystery. You don't have to understand it. Who can? You don't have to have everything lined up. Just, you know, my way wasn't working. I give up. Uh, and with that, we've reached the end of our time this morning. So I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Charles, can you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive.
13: Our, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we, we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to us, more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, what can you do each day for the man who is still sick? The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. As you charge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then.
9: Thank you.